at the end today, we're going to take out some seats and um, we've prepared, we've prayed, and we're going to have teams, uh, some of church people together with the YWAM team, and uh, we're going we're gonna to pray with people. And another name of the Holy Spirit is the Helper. And if you think of what could be the best helper, who better than the Holy Spirit? Who better than God? And so you're going to have that opportunity today for the Spirit to, to uh, meet you in, in a special way. Um, so let me suggest it would be a really good idea. Okay, so um, we're going to offer that at the end of today. We're going to have communion as well. Let's pray. Lord, as we open up, as we open up your word today, you continue to speak to us by your word and by your spirit. Amen. So Pentecost actually means 50 days. So it's a celebration of 50 days from Easter, from actually from Passover in the original Jewish calendar. So Passover, the celebration of uh, Salvation, escape from Egypt, and then 50 days after that was a Jewish celebration of harvest, God's provision, salvation provision. And so uh, many people, it was one of the three Jewish festivals that they traveled. It was a pilgrimage festival. They traveled up to Jerusalem, and that's why there are so many people there at the day of Pentecost. I had actually I heard some great advice on the radio a few months back, and it's saying for um, basically for husbands, if you are doing some housework at home and you're a little bit afraid that it's not going to get noticed, watch. What you don't want to do is do something and then put everything back exactly in the right place. <laughs> what you do is you. You do your little job, your little cleaning the bathroom, whatever, and then leave things out of place. Yes. <laughs> and then it will be known that you've been there. You've done it. And today, this is sort of what we're celebrating is often, yet often, the Holy Spirit is an unobtrusive presence in our, our lives. He's working in us, and in a sort of a gentle, unobtrusive way, but not always. And Pentecost was that one of those occasions of the not always unobtrusive presence. It was noisy and messy. The Holy Spirit is a, can be a messy helper. We're celebrating today the messy helper stage part of the Holy Spirit. So, three things. Uh, the who of the Holy Spirit, uh, the how and the when. The who, the how and the when. And in John's Gospel, the Holy Spirit, the paraclete it's called, it actually, uh, paraclete means, can be translated in different ways. It means um, being alongside, which is pretty hard to, to say exactly in English. So that's why in the Bible there's different translations for that, for the paraclete. Uh, one is the counsellor. 
So someone who comes alongside to help with a, a listening ear or advice. Now, the trouble with that, sometimes you start, you think of your school counsellor. Oh, I've got a school counsellor here. Or um, uh, <laughs> marriage counsellor. <laughs> um, another one is advocate, someone who helps with a good argument. And at the end, um, it's sort of like it's a court scene. The advocate comes alongside you in that way. Good argument and then a really good invoice. Or um, comforter is another translation, like someone who helps, you know, with hugs. I really like, and many translations like, the, the, the word the helper. The Holy Spirit is a helper. It sort of incorporates all of those. So we're gonna, that's our first Bible verse. John 15, verse 26. John 15, verse 26. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. He will testify on my behalf. When the Helper comes, who I send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. Jesus had promised this helper, this, this part of God that would come alongside. And it's hard, as Vicky was saying, there's lots of metaphors in the Bible, pictures, to try and describe what God is doing, how the Holy Spirit engages with humans. So metaphors like baptism, like drinking the Spirit, like clothed in the Spirit, like come upon, like wind. And one of, you know, one of the nicest things your children can say to you is that, that question, can I help you? And God here says, can I help you? In fact, I'm going to send the Spirit that will help you. I will send the Helper. John's Gospel in chapters 14 and 15 and 16 uh, repeats the Holy Spirit is the one that helps. So the first one, uh, John 14, 26, he says, um, the Holy Spirit will help you remember what Jesus taught. Secondly, he will testify. He will awaken people to the truth of Jesus. John 15, 26. The third one, John 16, verses 8 to 11, he'll convict the world of sin and righteousness. And the fourth one, 16 verse 13, he will guide into all truth. So the Holy Spirit helps with truth. Truth. Truth is one of the things the Holy Spirit helps with. Uh, but it's not the only thing. At the end of the Gospel of Luke and then into the second part of Luke, Acts, Luke wrote both, Luke 24, 49, it says this, Jesus says, stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Stay in the city, don't go anywhere until you've been clothed with power from on high. So the Holy Spirit helps with truth, but also helps with power. And, um, you know, sometimes it's it's... It's a lot to do with personality and with um, 
our experience of the Holy Spirit. And this, for me, Shah's was more dramatic. <laughs> um, she had the wind, the, um, the tongues, the, the noise, the everything. For me, uh, as late in teenage, I started to wonder, I don't know if this is true. Grew up in a wonderful Christian family, and I, I don't think it's true. And then at the age of 18, I came across this group, and uh, this guy, he'd preach every Monday night. And as he, as he opened up the word of God, I think it is true. So for me, it was, it was the spirit of truth that really impacted me. Um, but we have different experiences. Eh? So Luke, the, the wait for the power. The power is going to come. And sometimes the Spirit of God has dramatic evidence that he's been in the house. He's a messy helper. Uh, Exodus 19.18 on Mount Sinai. And with Moses, there was smoke, there was fire, there was shaking, there was loud noise. Acts 2, fire and loud noise came from outside the house then into the house. And then strange noises out of the mouths. Acts 4, shaking of the house and then bold preaching out in the streets. Uh, people have different experiences when they, they feel impacted by the Holy Spirit. Often, uh, at times, people will feel heat. I've felt that. Who else has felt that when you've been prayed for and felt the, the heat of the Holy Spirit? Um, Jenny Peepee was saying her husband and others, some New Zealand evangelists, they were in the Solomon Islands and there was a revival at the time. The people were saying they felt cold <laughs> when the Holy Spirit came in power because they always felt warm. Being, but they would feel cold. That's true. Eh? Um, uh, some, some people feel excited when the spirit moves powerfully or they, they fall over. Uh, they get emotional. Interesting here, you know, I've seen people that have come in and they're very unused to church and they'll start to well up and cry and they don't actually know why. They'll say, oh, I don't know why what was happening, but... Something was happening. Um, Tim Keller says he knows when the Holy Spirit's working in a congregation, he, he can sense a peace will fall upon the congregation. Uh, long term, when the Spirit has been allowed to stay in the house as a long term tenant, not as just a B&B &B one or two nights, but... <laughs> As long term, Galatians 5, 22 to 23, there'll be love, there'll be joy, there'll be peace, there'll be patience, there'll be kindness, there'll be goodness, there'll be faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, the wind of the Spirit, wind can be a bit random sometimes, eh? You're, um, you're, you're out there, and it's offshore, and then it's onshore. Or you wanted it to be 15 knots, and it comes in at 30 knots. 
Uh, and John 3 verse 8 says this, The wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from and where it's going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So the Spirit can be like that, a little bit unpredictable. What is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the helper. The Holy Spirit is the helper, sometimes a messy helper. <laughs> but what, what is the Spirit not? What's the Spirit not? It's not a badge of neck-level Christianity. It's not the prefix little ribbon on your school blazer, right? It's not that. It's not, it's not an excuse to pose. The church at Corinth, they were into the Spirit, and the Spirit was upon them. They, all sorts of dramatic things was going on at the church of Corinth. They were blessed, as well as lots of problems. Um, and they had uh, experience of ecstatic expression of the gifts, such as tongues, uh, prophetic utterances. But the, the problem was, at Corinth, these were being used as a badge of honor. They were trying to signal their spirituality with their um, gifts of the Holy Spirit. And actually, they were signaling the opposite. They are signaling their immaturity. So the, the Spirit is not an excuse to pose, and it's not an excuse to pig out. And at Corinth, they had a pig-out problem. They're pigging out with food at their combined lunches. Rich people would, would have heaps. Poor people would have, have none. But they're also pigging out with the Spirit. They were just, it was, it was random. It was all over the place. And um, so Paul writes and he says, don't pig out. Don't pig out with the food. Just eat at home if you're going to do that. And don't pig out with the spirit. Um, just have two or three that will prophesy and then it can, um, or speak in tongues, it can get interpreted. And don't be yelling out across the church. If you don't understand, go home, ask your spouse what's, what's going on. Don't treat the church like a trough. Don't pig out. It's not a trough. Don't pose, don't pig out. So what is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is a helper. And how does it help? How does it help? It helps us uh, smurf. Not surf, but smurf. So S-M-U-R-F. F, uh, S for security. It's, it's that, that assurance from God that there's more to come. There's more to come. I'm going to give you this deposit of the Spirit, and there's more to come. Ephesians 1, verse 13 and 14a. Ephesians 1, verse 13 and 14a. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who's the pledge of our inheritance I'll say it again. You are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the pledge of our inheritance. So the Holy Spirit is like a deposit, the promise of, of glorious future. It's like a grab a seat for $10. You can put 10 bucks. You can have that seat if you decide. Three days. <laughs> Security 
S, M, maturity, Ephesians 4, one of the four gift lists in the New Testament. So in Ephesians 4, it talks about the gifts of the offices of apostle, of uh, prophet, of evangelist, of pastor, and of teacher to bring about maturity and unity. Maturity does not happen overnight. Uh, so, S, security, M, maturity, U, unity. The emphasis is not on the special experience of the Spirit, but the common experience. Not the special experience, but the common experience. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. The body is a unit, though it is composed of many parts, and all, although its parts are many, they all form one body. So it is with Christ. 13, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. We have a Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. We are all given one spirit to drink. An isolated uh, body part is not much use. A detached body part is not much use. Uh, in Africa, before we got there, a colleague there told us uh, a thing that happened just a little, a few years before we got there. Uh, it was a bad car crash. Three kilometres out, out of our town, Jibo, there was a Y, a Y bend. He's driving a Toyota truck, Hilux, I think. Uh, they tend to tip, and it tipped and skidded, tipped on its side, skidded. Um, they um, took them to the hospital, uh, no fatalities, but one guy came in, didn't have his ear. And so the, the main surgeon, um, Dr. Elliot, he was down in the capital, Wagadugu, and they rung him up, and he says, I'm coming back, um, but go back to the wreck and see if you can find the ear. So our friend Jim, missionary Jim, went back to the car wreck, looked around, he found the ear um, and, and 50 mil of bone. Took it back and Dr. Elliot said, um, preserve it, I'm coming back, I'll see if I can um, sew it back on. Uh, sewed it back on, but it didn't take, and so he lost his ear. Um, one of the effects of that is... Uh, didn't have anywhere to hang his glasses. He wore glasses. <laughs> so he had to uh, make a new kind of um, I don't know, way to hold his glasses so he could see. You know, the point is this. A detached body part is not much use. That's why we're part of a body, to help the other parts. Security, maturity, unity. Ah, righteousness. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18. We're being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We're being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit, righteousness, and fruitfulness. The last one, fruitfulness. Uh, so the fruit of the Spirit, and but also the gifts of the Spirit. In the New Testament, there's four uh, gift lists. 
In Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4. And uh, most likely, um, these are selected of the gifts of the Spirit, not exhaustive. By that, we mean that um, here's some of the things that the Spirit does. Healing, uh, preaching, uh, prophecy, interpretation, helps, generosity. You know, all those things, the gifts of the Spirit, uh, they're in those four gift lists. And there's probably others that the Spirit gives at times. So, uh, who is the Spirit? It's a helper. What did we just do? Righteousness. And how? By, by smurfing, security, maturity, unity, righteousness, fruitfulness. And when? When, when does the Spirit help us? When? When does it happen? You know, even before we are a Christian, the Spirit is at work. John 16 verse 8, you know what it does? It convicts uh, the world of sin. That's way, bef- that's way back then. Uh, in Acts 10, while Peter was in the very midst of preaching to Cornelius and his household, the Spirit fell. Uh, some Holy Spirit activity is simultaneous with belief, and some is subsequent. It comes later. So, you know, the Spirit can come at any old time. It's like the wind. You just never know. And it's at work before we come to the Lord. Uh, it's at work sometimes, you know, at the time, and, it, and subsequent as well. And it's not a once Acts 2, verse 4, the Spirit fell. Acts 4, the Spirit fell again. And some of the, uh, many of them would have been the same people. So it's not a once Not a once Ephesians 5, 18 says this, Don't get drunk with wine, but keep on being filled with the Spirit. Paul said to uh, Timothy, Fan into flame the gift you were given. 2 Timothy 1, verse 6. So we're not sure if that's uh, exactly is the gift of the Spirit or a gift of the Spirit. But what it is, is definitely the authority and power to be a minister of Christ. Um, so we've got the tools. We've got the tools. We've got to use the tools. Famine into flame. Don't let the, the tool, the, the Spirit, get dusty. Don't get it, let it get uh, rusty. You know, look after your tool. Fan into flame. So that, that raises an interesting question. Can a gift of the Spirit uh, die or die down like a fire? Um, to what extent is a recipient in control of the gift? Can, can we just let it smolder? Can it be reignited? Well, yeah, it can. Paul says the Spirit of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets, 1 Corinthians 14. And um, so having the Spirit come on you to baptize you, to aflame you, however you want to describe it, it's not a once can keep on happening. 
I'm going to finish with this. And some of you have heard the, the account of a lady, and there was a revival going on at her church, and they were having meetings every single night. And this lady, she was into it. And at the end of the night, when they're praying for, praying for people, first night she came up, and she came up the front, and she was vibrant and noisy, and she was saying, Fill me, Jesus. Fill me, Jesus. Fill me, Jesus. And they prayed for her, and boom, the Holy Spirit hit her, and she was blessed and anointed. Next night, there was another meeting. At the end, they were praying for people, invited people up. Same lady comes up the aisle. Same thing. She yells out, Fill me, Jesus. Fill me, Jesus. Fill me, Jesus. They prayed for her. Boom. Hit by the Spirit again. Third night. Same lady, same thing, comes up the aisle. Fill me, Jesus, fill me, Jesus. And someone from the back yells out, don't do it, Lord, she leaks. <laughs> and the thing is this, we all leak. Hey, we all leak. Whatever the Spirit has done, has blessed you, has baptized you, empowered you, clothed you, however you want to say it, whatever metaphor you want to use, we leak. And that's why we just need to keep getting touched anew by the Spirit. And we're going to give you that chance. And we're going to have people up here love to have the Spirit touch you again, whatever way you want, whatever way the Spirit wants to deal with you. So um, Victoria's going to lead us in communion. Shah's going to set us up for that, for um, prayer after. Alrighty, so <laughs> today we have together. So to start off, I'll just like to read a passage, um, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three to 26. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Um, so yeah, as I was praying about what to share, I kind of felt three things highlighted. It was cleansing, protection, and remembrance. Um, so Jesus' blood was poured out when he died on the cross in order to cleanse us. And as it says in 1 Peter 1 verse 19, it was the precious blood of um, Christ, the sinless and spotless lamb of God. Jesus' perfections allow us to accept this precious gift of being made clean. So let's step into that grace avail that's available to us as children of God. His blood and body covered everything and no sin is too far or too wide. For, for his reach. Secondly, Jesus' blood protects us. It sets, sets us apart and shields us from judgment. When struggles of the flesh arise, declaring the blood of Jesus over yourself and the struggle can shift the challenge. His name is powerful. Lastly, having communion can be a great moment of remembrance. Remembering all the things that God has done and is doing in your life and acknowledging how far you have come because of him. So with that said, I'd like to challenge each one of us to have a moment of remembrance as we take communion. Remember what he has done for you and thank him for being the loving father that he is.